morning's gospel lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, 10 through 28. Jesus has had enough. Jesus is tired. Jesus has fed a bunch of people. Jesus has walked on water. He's calmed the storm. He's soothed the disciples' souls, and yet they still don't understand. The leaders are giving him a hard time because they're not filling and fulfilling and not following the purity laws that they've set up. No one understands what he's talking about. They're all tugging at him. And Jesus has had enough. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. Ah, but Peter, Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And then he said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach, go, goes out into the stewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place, Genesaret. And he went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from the region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and she knelt before him, saying, Kyrie eleison, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A long, long day at work. People tugging one way or the other, but always tugging, always wanting a piece of me. A long, long day commuting, a long, hot day just getting home, a long, hot, muggy day, like Lake City. I open the door. The music is on, probably Gypsy Rose Lee, if I can remember correctly. Perhaps it was Music Man, I don't know. Kids singing at the tops of the top of the lungs. The TV is on. There's toys all around. The boss was up tight. Deadlines are, up, are looming ahead. The briefcase feels heavier than normal. Dad, 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 what do you want? Do you hear all the noise around Jesus? Do you hear all the noise? Do you hear the tugging? Do you hear the crying? Oh my, do you feel the pressure? Do you feel the tugging? Curie eleison! Lord, help me. Her voice, if you've ever gone to a concert with a bunch of 12-year-old girls, like I had the privilege of doing when the Hansons were around, you were probably one of those 12-year-old girls. There they are, the Hansons. They're flowing blonde hair. These girls just waiting, 24,000 of them. They walk out. They take their spot on stage. I can't hit that note. That high-pitched scream. Perhaps the Beatles understood it, but nothing like a bunch of 12-year-old girls yelling at the top of their lungs, ear-piercing. Little did I know that they had earplugs in. The dads, they didn't. We went to work the next day and could barely hear. The Canaanite woman is the same way. She is shouting. She is shouting at the top of her lungs. She is moaning. She is squawking. She is crying out in desperation. And the disciples are irritated. They're anxious to send her away. And Jesus appears indifferent at the best, uncaring at the worst. Can you just feel the emotions? We've got grief, we've got anger, we've got relief, we've got frustration, we've got love, we've got fear. Uh, the full gamut of human emotions and feelings. And they're woven into this one story. The key is 
that the top is ready to blow. Jesus is ready to blow. And in a sense, it does. In the pastorate, we call what is happening to Jesus compassionate fatigue. Compassionate fatigue. Yes, uh, the words, the picture painted, the reality is eye-opening. One of those Jesus moments where we say, oh, did he really say that? Did he really just do that? Oh, man, you call that an appropriate response? Son of God? Really, did you just call her that? Really, Jesus? Well, Jesus is being Jesus. Yep. We always forget about that humanity thing. Jesus is Jesus. For some idea that changes, well, you know, Jesus has a human factor in his, in his being. We often think about his godlike figure. But today, Jesus shows his humanity. Pastor, 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 what are we going to do on Monday? Pastor, 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 can you come to a meeting? Pastor, 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 can we go? And the fat pastor goes, enough. Give me an hour. Jesus is throwing her away. He's hit the wall. He's running on fumes. He's got nothing, at least not for this Gentile woman and her tormented daughter. How can this be? How can this be? I, how do you feel right now? Going, Pastor, you need to talk about this. Really? Don't talk about this. No, I want to talk about the love of God. I want to talk about love of neighbor. I want to talk about love. I don't want to talk about get away from me. He is Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Son of David, divine Jesus, yes, but he is fully human, fully human too. Uh, without sin, but fully human, and being fully human, he does encompass grief, he encompasses anger, frustration, desperation, fatigue, love, compassion, and indifference. Whew, this is a messy display, a messy display of Jesus's complex personality, to say the least. I, but there's good news. There's good news. If Jesus has these feelings, they're not only allowed, but they're sanctified. They're holy. <gasps> holy anger, holy moly. Sanctified and holy Jesus in the story, though, has a change of heart. He has a change of heart. And there is the good news. There's the good news. It's a relief to know that our circumstances today, the moment we find ourselves in, no matter how dire, no, no matter how distracted we are, no matter how angry we might be, <sighs> our circumstances are not destined to be forever. God is, after all, always doing new things, and Jesus, in this story, proves that truth. And I praise God that the story didn't start or end with this story.
Can you imagine? Tell me about your Jesus. Well, he said, what comes out of the mouth defiles us. He said, woman, get away. Great is your faith. Your daughter's healed. That's the good news of the gospel. Thank goodness we have more. Thank goodness we have more stories, more teachings, more events, more things that have happened. Certainly a greater thing than that. I, I like to drive my family crazy. Can you believe it? <laughs> yep. I, yeah, you know I do. Yeah. When, when the Harry Potter books came out, right, the family would dutifully open them up and start reading them. However, they would put that book down. I would grab that book. I would turn to the end, and I would read the end of the story. <laughs> I did then, and I do now. I do. I do. I love the end of the story. And we know the end of the story, folks. Especially when we get uncomfortable, we hop to the end of the story. The temptation when reading this story is to skip to the end. And we know that all the Gentiles, all the world, has been saved and engrafted into the tree, adopted into the family, made heirs to the kingdom, and included in the covenant. God so loved the world, right? And let's not forget the promise that was made to Abraham, that all nations of the world will be blessed through him, all of them. But what if we didn't know what came before the verses in the story that we heard today? Or the ones that came after? What if this was the one fragment that we based the gospel upon? How would we read it then? Our understanding of Jesus would be different. We would know that he walked on the water. We would know that he calmed the storm fed thousands of people, healed many more. We wouldn't know that he died and rose again for all of us. We would, based on this lesson, learn that Jesus was sent to gather up the lost sheep of Israel. And I'm told that's good mission to have, clear, concise mission statement. At least in the business world, that's what they say. We would learn that he's clear about his boundaries. Oh, yes. Jesus had his boundaries. That says, that's a mantra we hear an awful lot. Don't bother me on Fridays. That's my day off. We would discover that Jesus' mission is so important that he will risk being popular and disliked for the sake of it. That's the price of leadership, so they say in the business books. They don't have to like me, but they have to respect me. We would also learn that the Lord, the Son of God, the one who has the power to heal, also has the capacity, and here's the good news, the capacity to be moved by the plight and plea of those that are on the margins. Did you hear that? Jesus has the capacity to be moved by the crying out crying out at this woman, this Gentile, this hated Gentile Canaanite woman. He has the power to be changed. The nagging words, Kyrie eleison, please help me. Lord, have mercy. Help me. <clears throat> Nevertheless, she persisted. Nevertheless, 
she persisted. Good news for us outsiders. Tenacity and persistence can expand the vision for Jesus' mission. Our prayers, our groans, our sighs, our shouts, our screams, they're not in vain. Our prayers are not in vain. For God is always doing new things and will do new things. Sometimes our heartfelt cries for help and justice shape and influence the new things that are about to happen. God is going to do something new. You know why? Because we have prayed for it. God changes God's heart. Sometimes our horrendous, jealous impulses are appointed for God's life-giving purposes. Always the love of family outweighs mysteriously a lot of things. Always the love of our family is mysteriously wrapped up in God's love for the world, the whole wild world, even those people. Jesus expands his mission to the Gentiles. He got a kickstart today. Today, he got the kickstart. God kicked him. He used the two-by-four, I call it. God used the two-by-four today and kick-started another mission, another ministry, one that Jesus might not have been open to. He was so focused on the ministry, in Matthew at least, I was sent here for the lost children of Israel. And God said, Yo, Jesus, no, whoa, wake up. God so loved the world. I love the world. I loved everybody. Uh, open your eyes so that you might see, your ears that you might hear, your mind that you might understand. Jesus, come back. And he lost his humanity. He was in his humanity for just a moment, just like you and me. Nevertheless, she persisted. Who knows, maybe right now through your love of your family and chosen family of friends, God is reaching out in love to the entire human family. Therefore, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid kiss, to kiss, to weep, to cry, to screech, to beg, to show some righteous anger. You can count on being tired. You can count on being frustrated. Uh, you may even be tempted to run away or send others away. But persist. Persist. Know that you will endure ridicule. Ooh. Know that you will endure ridicule and must swallow your pride. But never imagine that Jesus won't be moved by your prayers. Never imagine that Jesus won't be moved by your cries or your moans and your groans. No matter what you say, Lord, have mercy. I am convinced that God uses our raw emotions, our deepest ties, our unquenchable passions. Yes, unquestionable, unquestionable. Our passions. Our passions for those we love. To create new and strong bonds with others and strengthen those that are between all of us. And God... What, why do you think God does that? Well, Jill Duffield 
wrote in Presbyterian Outlook this week. Because God promised Abraham and the prophets, and Jesus was sent to save the world, and we are told to go all to all nations, and to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that's a huge mission. Clear, well-defined, unbounded, but nothing is impossible for God. We are no different than this woman, and it comes, when it comes to our loved ones, I'd do anything for my kids, I'd do anything for my wife, I'd do anything for y'all. I'd do anything for you. When we cry out, even the crumbs will help us. We know that even just a morsel of the bread that falls from Jesus' table is more than enough to affect and heal each and every one of us. Our cries do not go unheard or unheeded by God. They do not. God hears all things. Blessed and broken, shared, those crumbs, those mere morsels are the leftovers that nourish us and feed, have fed thousands, thousands, millions over the thousands of years. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But when we eat of the bread of life, eyes are opened and we are not only recognizing Jesus, but our eyes are opened to all of humanity especially those who, for far too long, have not had a seat at the table or eat. For those that have faced and felt the pangs of injustice, you and I have a responsibility as part of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in humanity. We dare not let anyone walk alone. We cannot walk alone, and as we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always move ahead and we can never turn back. Those crumbs on the table, those mere morsels have been turned into a feast for all of us by the one who shouted back, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. We can never be satisfied as long as injustice robs anyone of their selfhood and their dignity, regardless of their skin color, their belief, their gender, their age, their size, and their sexuality. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King stated so, so long ago, as he paraphrased Amos 5.24, No, no. We are not satisfied and will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. The good news of today's lesson is, nevertheless, she persisted. It was true then, it is true now, and it will always be true. For God hears our cries, hears your calls, and your prayers. No matter how difficult, debilitating, long-standing, or painful your current circumstance might be. God is always there listening, always there with a change of heart, ready to help you, ready to answer you, ready to cry with you, ready to hold you in the palm of his hands. For we have received the greatest gift of all in Jesus Christ. We can never forget that. It is a gift from God, a gift of grace. And it's in that gift that God shows us that it's not only okay to get emotional, 
It's not only okay to shout for joy or cry out in anguish, to shout, to whoop, to scream. He actually waits for it. He wants you to do it. That's how much he loves you. Amen. Let us pray.